0: Make sure we get everybody out of here, all right <clears throat> Good Thank you, if you have a Bible Let me encourage you to uh, join me in Exodus chapter number 4 Exodus chapter number 4 Now it's been three weeks since we've been in Exodus So I want to give just a little bit of a backstory From what we're about to read today If you, if you were to begin in Exodus chapter 3 We're in chapter 4 But if you were to begin in chapter 3, this is where Moses goes to the burning bush. At the burning bush, Moses gets to meet God. He's told, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. He gets to hear the voice of God. He gets to learn the name of God. And then he gets to find out that he is going to be sent on mission by God to go to Pharaoh to, pull, to lead the children of Israel on their exodus, on their journey out of slavery and bondage. But as soon as Moses finds out he's been chosen for this responsibility, he starts to list all the reasons why. He begins first by saying, well, who am I? And God doesn't even address who he is. God tells him, I'll be with you. And then he says, "Well, well, who who are you if you're going to be with me? Like there's so many gods in this world. There's so many gods in Egypt. Which one are you?" And he's this is where we, a few weeks ago, got to, to see the name of God as Yahweh. Uh, the I am who I am is, is what he said. And so God continued to, uh, to address every one of Moses' issues, uh, his complaints. And then he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go back. The elders uh, of Israel are going to listen to you. Then go with them to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh, you want to take the people on a three days journey to sacrifice to me. And then he says, but I'm just going to tell you, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. And I'm going to do some amazing wonders in his sight, and then he will let you go. Now, if you've never read through Exodus before, and you get to the end of chapter 3, my guess is you get to this assumption that Moses is going to go. But Moses is way too much like you and me. He's not just going to go just because. So look at beginning of verse number 4. Again, Moses Has just talked to God He's taken his shoes off He's heard the voice of God He's learned the name of God God's going to go with him And he learns all about the future And Moses says in chapter 4 verse 1 Then Moses answered But behold they will not believe me Or listen to my voice For they will say Yahweh did not appear to you And I'm saying Yahweh Whenever you see the word Lord In capital letters That is that title of jesus uh, that is a title for god and we'll use his name as yahweh says yahweh said to him well what is that in your hand and he said a staff and he said throw it on the ground so he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and moses ran from it verse 4 but yahweh said to moses put out your hand and catch it by the tail so he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand That they may believe that Yahweh, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again, Yahweh said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, Or listen to the first sign they may believe the latter sign if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground now I don't know what goes through your mind And I know that we probably read that fairly quickly But as I was reading just in study and a little bit slower As soon as I got through those first nine verses The thoughts that went right into my mind is like How many times is Moses going to hesitate? But did you notice how Moses took one verse and said Yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to listen to me And then did you see what took place in the next eight verses? God says, Moses, let's let's talk a little bit more. And the reason that catches my attention is because, you know, God's already addressed what Moses said. Because Moses said, they're not going to listen to my voice. But if you look at chapter three, verse 18, God already said, they're going to listen to your voice. He's already told him this is going to happen and Moses is like I don't really know if it's going to happen and all of a sudden I am just thrown into the seeing the character of God in a new way with the patience and the kindness and the encouragement that he shows to Moses because here's what it shows me and remember this word it shows me that God understands our limitations He understands our limitations and he genuinely listens to our complaints and, and, and he, he willingly and very kindly addresses the concerns that Moses brought up even though he's already addressed them. And immediately I thought, you know what? God's a good coach. As if you've ever played sports, you know that there are times when a coach will call a timeout and, and all he's going to do or all she's going to do is say something they've already been told. I coach baseball a lot and uh, every time a, a A pitcher uh, would be having a would be struggling to throw strikes. I would say time To the ump i'd walk out to the mound. I'd look at the pitcher and I didn't have something new to tell him I just say hey Listen, just it's okay. Take a breath. Here we go. Make sure you're following through on that pitch Stop trying to aim Just throw to the catcher Nothing new Just a reminder Many of you have played basketball And a coach will call a timeout When when the team is struggling And that when everybody runs over And like sitting down like Coach man we just had four turnovers in a row What do we do? Hey guys let's go Protect the ball Make good passes Fight through those screens Everything that they already know The coach is just reminding them I feel like man this is so kind of God Moses brings up this concern And God just simply says Moses let's talk I already told you they're going to listen to your voice but, but I have a question for you What's in your hand? Now if you ever read the Bible And you see that God asks a question Sit up, take note You know why? Because it's not like God asks a question Because he doesn't know the answer so if God's going to ask a question, he's drawing attention to something. And so he says, hey, Moses, what's, what's in your hand? And as soon as we read the word hand, there's a big echo. Remember, we're looking at echoes of Exodus. And if you have a Bible, if you look back at chapter 3, verse number 19, let me see if I put these up here. No, I didn't. If you look at chapter 3, verse number 19, God had said this to Moses, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. So keep that in mind. Keep that, that echo of God saying, Moses, Pharaoh's going to be moved by a mighty hand. I will move my hand. And all of a sudden, we now read that God says, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses' answer is pretty simple. What's well, a stick? Almost as if God is saying, look at your, look at your hand. We just talked about how we're going to need a mighty hand to move Pharaoh. What's in your hand? A stick. Moses, do you think that's going to move Pharaoh? You so think you're going to approach the throne of the most powerful man in the world and you're going to say, but I have a stick in my hand. And so God says, but let's, let's look at what that stick outside of your hand and in my hand can do. And so he says, release it. And as, as he releases it, he thro- it becomes a serpent, And I I picture this almost like God saying, Moses, a mighty hand is going to be needed to move Pharaoh, but I want to show you right now, it's not your mighty hand, it's mine. And I, I really, when I, when I, when I, wrote that down this week, immediately the Lord said, there's going to be somebody in the congregation on Sunday who needs to be reminded that you do not have in your hand what is necessary to accomplish what's in front of you. But you do have what's in your hand to accomplish what is necessary if you're willing to put it in God's hand. Because the staff would be very important. But the staff, it's not the staff in Moses' hand that's important. It's the willingness of Moses to say, this is a staff. And God says, but what can you do with it? Well, I can walk on the ground and I can poke somebody with it. And God says, put it in my hand and see what it will do. He throws it on the ground and becomes a serpent. And it's like, in so many ways, we look at our lives and we say, I have got to get control of my life. I'm frightened about the future I'm uncertain about the future and and I look at what I have and I feel like I can't do this on my own and God's saying right you can't Moses left this morning when he met God on in Genesis 3 at the he left that morning all he was planning to do was tend to his sheep And his life in the middle of a normal day got flipped upside down. And now all of a sudden he's facing an uncertain future. You know, that has happened to many inside of this room. Whether it's a health concern that you find out about and all of a sudden your life is upside down. Or maybe for many of you it's been the health concerns of a child or the health concerns of your parents. And all of a sudden a day that started out as normal is upside down. And you're like, I don't know. I I don't know what's in front of me. I don't know what to do. I I trusted this person and they've broken my trust and now it's a fractured relationship. I I have lost a loved one. I have lost a job. I have lost my future. What do I do? And God is just wanting to remind you, look at your hand. Everything that you think you have is not enough. But it is enough when you turn it over to the mighty God. Hand of God Because our hands carry dead sticks God's mighty hand Gives life To what is dead God's mighty hand Protects The weak and the frail God's mighty hand Brings assurance As he comes beside and says You can depend on My strong and mighty Hand Isaiah tells us It's not your hand We need mighty hands To accomplish what needs to be accomplished But I'll promise you it's not in our hands It is in the power of God's hands The God who holds The power of life and death In his hand So did you notice though What happens when when Moses throws his Staff on the ground and becomes a serpent He runs This is an echo Because it's not the first time in Moses' life he's run. If you remember, Moses was living in Egypt and, and he went out and he killed a man and Pharaoh found out about it and now Moses had run from Pharaoh to Midian. Now, Moses is running from a snake. And if you were here from the very beginning of this Exodus series, we saw immediately a connection between the craftiness of the serpent in the garden and the shrewd actions of Pharaoh in, Genesis, in Exodus chapter 1. We saw a connection between the snake and, the, and Pharaoh. Both of them were going after God's people to destroy God's purposes and to destroy God's plan. And if you were to look at what a Pharaoh's crown Contains on the front Is an image of a snake And so there's this connection between Pharaoh and a snake And Moses has run from both And now God says Grab it Like I don't know I mean there's, There's not a lot of things in the world That I'm like really like Totally afraid to do or to try. I'm not. I'm not. I don't care. I'm not picking up a snake. Like, no. You hand me one, and you have it by the by the throat, and I can put my hand right next to yours. Okay, I'll do that. I'll hold that snake. I am not gonna pick up a snake. I don't. I don't care how small it is. I'm not picking up a snake. I'm not. I'm not good with that. I have seen a lot of dead snakes recently, and I'm happy. Uh, dead snakes are good, right? Moses is. Fearful, but what God wants to show him, it's not about your hand. Reach out, Moses, and he, he reaches out and he takes that snake by the tail and it turns right back into a serpent. And I believe that God was just showing you that serpent and the Pharaoh are related. I have the power over them. You don't, but I will be with you you are not approaching this alone Lisa you are not going into that appointment tomorrow alone for those of you that have loved ones who are suffering you are not caring for them by yourself every time you walk in and take care of somebody yet God is with you the God who has the power to heal and to give life to what is dead and to turn something dead that had life he's got that power and he's with you And I think that's important because God is ahead of Moses In the next thing That Moses is going to say His next hesitation so I, I, don't think, I don't think I'm the guy for it I'm, Who am I? I'll be with you Well who are you? I'll tell you who I am Well they're not going to listen to me They're going to listen to you And I'm showing you they're going to listen to you But God already knows what Moses is about to say Because his fourth excuse is going to be But my mouth And so God addresses his hand one more time before Moses has anything to say about his mouth. He says, stick your hand, oh, we're still stuck on the word hand. That's important. Stick your hand into your cloak, pull it out, it's leprous, put it back in. Now it's clean. I think there's a whole lot of lessons there that are important because leprosy is is an incurable disease that makes someone unclean. and a. be involved I think there's some really cool echoes that we don't have time to get into that but basically what I really think God is trying to say is you're about to tell me your mouth is a problem and I'm about to tell you I'm not worried about your body I have power over your body Everything over your body. And, 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 and like I know that we as Christians, we're, we're in here and we're reading like, yeah, okay, so he's got power over over Moses' body, and, and here's what I really want to encourage you with: God has power over every person's body because he is their creator. We see this, and I, I wish I would take more time, but I'm not going to we see this in the media right now. It is everywhere. I was created a man, but I feel like a woman Okay, listen, I don't I don't I don't know how you feel about that When we could sit there and go you're just an idiot. You're just man. You can't be now. Listen I'm, not saying that those feelings aren't valid, but 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 here's what we have to understand If someone says I was born a man, but I feel like a woman somebody made a mistake Either God made a mistake in making this person a man and he should have made this person a woman or the person who has created a man and feels like a woman is mistaken. Now, which one do you think made a mistake? The eternally existent, all-powerful, all-knowing, perfectly holy God Or a sin-cursed man who is limited in his understanding, in his knowledge, and in his wisdom? Which do you think is more likely to make a mistake? Right? And so I just, I'm thinking like, I hear that and I want to say, basically what you're telling me is that you want the power and the authority and the control that only God should have. And that is to declare, no, I made them male and female. I made them male and female because they are male and female. And when someone says, well, I was made this way, but I want to be this way, what they're saying is, I want to be God. But it doesn't stop with them saying, I want to be my God. Now they extend that out and say, and if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. I'm right. And when someone starts to declare what's right and wrong Then they're trying to be my God too And it's gotta stop God has power If he wanted someone to be a woman They would have been created to be a woman If he wanted someone to be a man They would have been created to be a man I know we live in a sin-cursed world And I know that sin It really distorts and deceives and destroys I get that But we have got to come back to what the authority in our lives is. And the authority is the word of God. Okay, I'm glad you said amen because I wanted to go there with you. Because here's the thing. We're really good at cherry picking about what parts of the word of God we follow. Yeah, we get upset when somebody says, I don't know about this whole male and female thing because we agree with it. But what about the other parts of Scripture that we maybe struggle with? Could somebody look at you and say, but you want to be your own God? For instance, let me give you five principles just real quickly. Husbands, love your wives. And if I could flip that around, I didn't want to have time to put it up there. Wives, submit to your husbands. Put that in Ephesians 5. How many couples actually live that out? How many husbands love themselves? How many wives decide, I'm going to do what I want to do? When Paul says, see that you excel, it doesn't say see that you kind of, see that you excel in this grace of giving. Hmm. How many of us, we follow that principle with our finances? When Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, how many of us were like, I don't, I don't I'm not going to be able to open up my home, bear one another's burdens. Yeah, but I have my own. But I didn't see the disclaimer on there. Go and make disciples. Like if we want to take any command and put it at the very top, it is, this is called the great commission. If there's anything Jesus Christ has called his followers to do, it is to go and make disciples. Where's that on your list of priorities? See, I really feel like we, we, look at the, we look at the book and we're like, yeah, when it, when it lines up, we're like, yeah, you can't be your own God, but I'll be my own God with my family. We'll do with what I want to do with my family. Yeah, you can't be your own God about, about gender, but I'm going to be my own God about what I'll do with my own giving. My, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to with my stuff. Yeah, you can tell me about this, you can tell me about that, but my priorities are my priorities. And, and, I, and I just, I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say this. I think many Christians, we don't see the hypocritical lives that we often live when we, when we love to cherry-pick pieces of the Bible out when it fits our narrative, but when it doesn't fit our narrative, we're like, we don't even talk about it. Let's not talk about that. Transgenders want to play God with their bodies, and Christians want to play God with their families, with their finances, and with their priorities. And it is so evident. And we must recognize as creator as creation we have a creator there is one God who has all power and all authority and we do not need to worry about rejecting a gender identity am I a man or am I one look we need to accept our gospel identity and this is I am who not who I want to be not who I think I am I am who God declares me to be and here's the thing we have no problem with the gospel identity when it says well I was just a sinner but I'm a sinner saved by the good grace of God and amen and amen and amen. Amen to that But as a sinner Saved by the grace of God He's called you To make disciples Jump into that Gospel identity Sorry man I don't know that. Excuse me So I'll get off my horse And come back here uh, <laughs> Thank you Glenn For saying that Let's get back to Exodus Sorry for that I was totally on that Rabbit trail So we'll go back to Exodus Alright here we go In verse number 9 He gives Moses A third sign in Exodus chapter 4, it's verse number 9 And, and, and what I thought, thought was so interesting about this Is it's, it's not a sign that Moses can do anything with He says, take some water from the Nile Pour it on dry ground, it becomes blood You know what's crazy? Moses is nowhere near the Nile when God says that He's in the desert of Midian And when I read that, I was like Oh, I love this about God you, you understand what this is showing about God? He knows that Moses is going to go where Moses doesn't think he's going to go. Moses is like, I'm not going there. And God's like, hey, when you're there, do this. I guess I'm going. Again, and I, I just absolutely love it because God has bypassed Moses' excuses. He's bypassed his hesitations and he's already saying, when you get where you don't think you're gonna go, here's what you need to do. And I just, I, I absolutely love that because there are people in this room, you are uncertain about the future that is awaiting you. And you have all kinds of reasons not to move forward on this uncertain future. But here's the thing. God's already, he's already making plans for that in spite of your hesitations. Like our family could testify about this for a long time. You thought you were calling a pastor. I thought I was coming to pastor. Nope, God was preparing our family for a future that we had no idea that was there and he was just smiling, waiting for us to get there. Oh hey, yeah, I know. You think you're gonna pastor? No. I'm here to give your, your oldest son a wife. And and I'm also here to make sure your middle son gets to the Bible college where he's gonna meet the woman that, that he is going to fall in love with and, and they're going to have a life together. Oh, no, and, and, and I've got this, I've got some people that your daughter is going to get to meet and they're gonna she's they're gonna mentor her and they're gonna help prepare her and she's gonna end up in a place no one would have ever thought that she would in and I'm like I sit back sometimes and I'm like God you brought us to Lou Ray I thought the pastor our kids in just a couple months are going to be out of our house and I'm like that was the purpose in you bringing us here so our family could find their future and I praise you for that he already had it all worked out and here I thought I was just coming to be a pastor man God's so good That third sign does get worked out, by the way. It's at the end of the chapter, which we'll get to hopefully next week. So if you've never read Exodus, Moses has given three excuses. God has met all three of them, but he's gonna give a fourth. We've already mentioned it, so but look at verse number 10. Moses said to the Lord, after all this, Moses said to Yahweh, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. Like, I, I mean, there's so much I would love to talk about But that we don't have time But I, I, God's already addressed his physical body By taking that hand and throwing it in the I got power over your body, Moses Stop it But God's still so kind He addresses it Look at verse 11 Then Yahweh said to him Who made man's mouth? Who made him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now therefore go I will be with your mouth And teach you what you shall speak Like he tells Moses exactly what Moses needs to hear He's already said I'll be with you Now he's going to get specific I'll be with your mouth And if you remember when he says I will be That's that a yay from the I am He's like I am with your mouth Well now we know for sure Moses is going to go Definitely After that oh for sure Verse 13, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And that was the title of my message, send someone else. Four four excuses, all matched by God. And basically now he says, just send someone else. And I want to pause right here. Because you remember I said at the beginning of the message God's aware of our limitations and he's patient with us and he's kind with us and he'll address them and he'll walk with us but you see what God does now? Then the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Moses. And, and here's, here's my thought. God extends patience as we express our concerns he extends patience as we give him our doubts and our our worries but there comes a time when God expects us to move in obedient faith because he knows I have addressed your fears I have addressed your concerns you are now rebellious and I think that's where people in this room are with the Lord you have made, we have made, and I'm putting myself in that group, we have made every excuse to take a step of faith that we know God is pushing us to take, and there's no reason at this point to step out anymore. All the excuses we have given, they, they have failed. God has met every one of them. I still can't have that conversation with that person at work or, or I can't give up that addiction Or I can't witness to that coworker, I can't drive that church van I can't teach that kid's Sunday school class I can't attend a small group I can't be a part of youth group I can't serve as an usher I can't be a greeter You have got at some point At some point we have to admit this Every excuse we've given God has met and God has matched And the real honest simple truth is I just don't want to go I just don't want to do it. I have more plans. I have different plans for my lives. And I am simply telling God, no, I'm not going to do it. Send someone, ask someone else to do that. Ask someone else to teach the youth group. Ask someone else to teach the kids. Ask someone else to drive the van. Ask someone else to serve the needs. Ask someone else to open up their home. their home. And I'm like, I don't know, Lynn. Lynn, I'll be honest with you. You know, where's, where's Lynn Swartzlander? Is she, is she in here? I, I, she's in the nursery. I, I walk every, literally every time I walk in and I see Lynn Swartzlander, I leave convicted. We love to chase our kids around and doing everything that they want to do. We don't have time to invest in God's work because we do that. And that lady, every Sunday morning, is down in her Sunday school classroom. And every Wednesday night, she sits in that cafeteria, and she comes to meet the kids who go to Stanley Elementary and Stanley Middle School that she serves with, and she sits at a table, and she talks with them. And the whole time, she has to be pushing Caleb around in a wheelchair, If anyone had an excuse to say, yeah, but God, I know you want me to do that, but here's my excuse. If anyone had a really good excuse, Lynn Swartzlander, in my opinion, is at the top of the list. And she doesn't make excuses. And she was sitting with Imogen this morning when I walked down there and they were looking at Imogen's Bible and she was talking with Imogen. She sits at a a table every Wednesday night with kids with the biggest smile on her face, and I know that lady is worn out. I know she is. She's tired. She's going to go home, and she's going to have to take care of Caleb, who is now a 16 or 17-year-old, strong, strapping young man that she's got to pull out of that chair, and she's got to, she's got to bathe him, and she's got to feed him, and she has so, and, and yet, That woman is in here serving, and I leave every time I'm with her. I leave just convicted. Because I love to make excuses. My schedule, this, my time, that. I really think God has in many of our lives God has shaken us up over COVID and we stopped doing so many things and, and we don't want to do anything else and I don't mean to make this about this wasn't at all where my, where my message was going to go I'm so sorry but the Lord's just leaving it there. like it's just it's like hey come on we can either make excuses until we are unable to do anything anymore or we could simply admit yeah you know what I'm just I'm just telling God no God's anger's kindled. And you know what? When God's anger gets kindled, whoo, we look better look out, because let me just show you what happens when God's anger gets kindled in verse 14. Watch this. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron your brother the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart and you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. I thought God was angry. It's like, it's like God was so upset with Moses. Moses, I, four times, I've addressed everything you said and now you just said, send some, Moses, I am so angry with you that I'm gonna send your brother to you and he's gonna be really happy to see you and you guys are gonna have a family reunion. And when you're together, I'm gonna put words in your mouth and you're gonna give them to him and I'm gonna be with both of your mouths. Oh, hey, Moses, don't forget the staff. You're gonna need that. Wait, so basically what we're saying is God's anger is demonstrated through incredible grace? If that isn't the gospel. Because the good news of the gospel declares that sinners who deserve the just wrath of God for their purposeful rebellion are extended God's incredibly amazing grace. So I got to this point in my preparation And it was Monday afternoon I was sitting in my office And I I, I remember what I did I leaned back in my chair And I'm like, Lord, like what's an echo to that? Where have we seen that? Before? Where have we seen that since? What's the echo to that? This man who was in purposeful rebellion He deserved your wrathful anger But you didn't give it to him You gave grace and you sent his brother to him. And then it just, it hit me. I don't want to say take the took the wind out of me, but it was like one of those moments where you went, <gasps> I'm the echo. Well, I'm the guy who... I was the rebel against God and I was the sinner against God and I deserved all of his wrath I deserved it was just it was, it, was, it was my rebellion that really deserved the just anger and wrath of God poured out against my sin but instead of that I was extended grace and I was extended mercy and God sent a brother to me (laughs) and my brother's name is Jesus and he made me a part of his family and the reason that God can pour out his mercy and grace to Moses and the reason he can pour out his mercy and grace to us Chastity, when, I, when, you were, when, when your, your testimony was being read today, I'm like, yes, she's the echo too. Like she was running in rebellion to God. And yet we know that God offered mercy and grace because when God's son who never rebelled, when he showed up, God just poured the wrath of, the, the wrath of his, his, the sin of the world was poured out on Jesus and he took it. And here's the crazy thing. Moses said, send someone else when he knew that God was gonna be with him. And Jesus didn't say, send someone else when he knew God was. Would have to turn away from me. What a God. What a what a brother. What a savior. And from Genesis 3:15 onward, every person had a brother coming to them before they even knew to ask. Because did you notice as we read, God's like, Moses, I already knew how this conversation was going to go, so Aaron's already on his way. Hey, Brian, I already know how the conversation is going to go. I've already sent Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, what do I do with that? I believe in God's power, I trust in God's goodness, I obey God's word. And I rejoice in God's son. I believe in his power. I believe that I can't fix my problems on my own. I trust in his goodness. He knows what he is doing is right. He is a good God. I will obey what I know his word to say. And I will rejoice in the brother that he sent. If you notice, Moses gets to be God to his brother. My brother, he is my God. Amen and amen. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask that you would uh, work in our hearts today. I I was sitting there, I was standing here singing with the the worship team, that that song, that last song, and When I'm in my father's house, I'm home And all all I could picture was the I could picture that prodigal son Who who had left in rebellion who, Who had left and taken and wasted everything that his father had given him and, 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 and he finally, the, the father comes out and he, and he hugs him and they walk back and as they walk back he knows what he's walking back towards and he stands at the front step of the home of the father against whom he had rebelled but who had received him back and he stands there and he says "Ah, uh, I'm home I'm, ho- I'm home again And Father, I, I know I was just preparing this message. and Lord, forgive me if I went sideways on a few things, but, but as I was preparing this message, my whole desire was just, but my brother, he, my brother came out to get me. My brother, he met me in my state of rebellion. He, he met me in my state of wandering and, and he, he's the one who walked me back and he's the one who said, hey, Brian, hey, Brian, this is my father's house. And Brian, your home because I've made you my brother because I, I I paid the wrath of God's anger for your sin. I did that so that you could be my brother and hey, have a seat at, at my dad's table because you're home. Hey, what a good God! What a good brother! What a We are so blessed. And Father, I pray that our response, I pray my response would be more than just teary eyes, but it would be obedient faith to you. Draw me, draw me closer to you. If you're here today and you don't know this good God, that this God that was testified by Billy and Danielle and Aaron, this God who who rescues us. Man, I'd love to introduce you to him. And and, and as soon as you want to turn to him, you're going to find out that your brother's already on his way. He's already been here. He wants to give you a place in his father's house. He wants to make you at home. You don't have to be a wanderer anymore. He He wants you to be home. He's a good God. He gets angry at sin. And his anger is poured out against Jesus. If we fail to believe in who Jesus is, then we'll one day face that just wrath ourselves. And you don't want that. God wants you to know him for who he is. And he did that by sending our brother. In just a moment, we're gonna stand and we're gonna close by singing that song. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down here at the, at the main level. And if, if you want to pray, if there's anything I could pray with you, if you say, I want to know Jesus, I, whatever, whatever the Lord would want to lay at your heart, I'd be happy to share. If you say, I'd rather wait till afterwards. Well, you already heard in Chastity's testimony today. It was, it was after a service, you just came up to me and said, we need to talk more about Jesus. I'm happy to do that too. I just want you to celebrate and rejoice in the brother that God already sent to bring you home.